Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Hammer and Umpire Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Weber, and this is a a shorter episode than maybe some of my others. Uh, Just a a bit of a recap of this past weekend's NCAA slash CBUA meeting in Chicago. Um, It's been four years since we've had the NCAA CBUA meeting in person. Um, COVID certainly caused some problems with that. They had gone on to a schedule before that to have like an every other year kind of situation, um, which is fine. I mean, it, it costs money to get there for pretty much everybody. Some people got to fly in. Of course, you got hotel, food, um, parking, gas, whatever, all those kind of costs that uh, you have to deal with. I, I know it costs me money to go there, maybe a little bit less than some other people, but still it does. I got to stay there two nights in the hotel there at the Westin in Chicago and I really like the in-person meetings, though, and I particularly like this one because, man, I got to see a lot of people that I uh, hadn't seen for a while, and uh, over the last four years, I've gotten to know a few guys that live in different states, you know, that I've been lucky enough to work with in various capacities, and I got to see them and say hi to them. It, it's fun to go out to eat Friday night with, uh, we had about 10 guys, we went and got some food, and we able to talk about stuff. And uh, that was that was cool. Then, you know, got to see guys during the, the meeting from time to time on Saturday and catch up with them a little bit. That was very cool. So I really appreciate that. And there's that, that can't be replicated online, of course. Right. But I understand why they they try to do that. It certainly cuts the cost down as, as well. And I think that the in-person sessions, which I'll be talking about in a couple of segments here today, I think that they are much more valuable in person than they are online. I mean, I can do the online learning. I'm an educator myself by trade, so I understand that, and I can get what I need to get out of it. But it's a lot better when you have people in person making the presentations. So I do have a couple of segments. Uh, First one is about um, um, a conference meeting, you know, for the Mid-American Conference. I talk about that. That was a, the first one that I'd ever attended for that. Um, four years ago, I was not in a position to be, able to, to be able to go to such a meeting, so I feel very blessed and lucky that I'm able to do that now. And then I do a, kind of an overview of the things they talked about in the general meeting throughout the day. Um, those are just my two main segments, just a little report back. You know, I think this is, you know, interesting maybe to the guys who do college baseball, but a lot of you are probably there or you'll be at one of the meetings. But I know I have a lot of listeners that do not do college baseball, and I think you might be interested to know the kind of stuff that goes on there. Maybe you'll decide to get into college baseball in the near future, and uh, you'll need to attend one of these meetings, whatever one might be closest to your hometown. So sit back and listen to another episode of The Hammer, an umpire podcast. Well, bright and early this morning, 6.45 a.m. to be exact, we had the conference staff meeting for the Mid-American Conference, or the MAC as we call it here in the Midwest. Um, the Mid-American Conference, um, Rich Fetchett, of course, is the conference coordinator for the MAC, among other conferences. And uh, started out, and he's always, you know, all business, and, and that's that's why 
I like it. I, I think that's great. It's the first one of these that I've attended. I feel, you know, honored that I've gotten a chance. Uh, it's something that I always see on the schedule when I come to this conference here in Chicago. And I thought, wow, I don't know if I'll ever get to one of those. But um, it's pretty cool. So that that's nice. Uh, so we you know, went around the room. People introduced themselves, where they, who they are, where they're from, and such things. He uh, talked about how... Um, you know, it was back to a three-game series rather than four for the Mid-American Conference. Um, they're planning to, you know, still have, just have four teams in their conference tournament, but probably next year, uh, you know, 24, that is, they'll ex- extend it back to six teams and have a neutral site, but the, this year is probably going to be uh, four, or it's going to be four, and be on the number one seeds campus that hosts the tournament. So then we proceeded to uh, also talk about um, some potential mechanics, alt, you know, alternate um, methods that are spelled out in the CCA manual and what he thinks about those. He went through about five of those. Um, then, uh, you know, we talked about uh, the new TrackMan system. Well, not new, but the new program they're trying to institute with TrackMan and other types of things as far as getting a standard strike zone uh, throughout college baseball, that's the biggest thing that people would like to see, whether you're working in the Big 12 or the SEC, the Big 10, the MAC, you know, the Missouri Valley, whatever it might be, the Summit, you know, the Pac-12, you know, whatever it is, ACC. Um, everybody has a, the same standard that they're being judged upon. Um, so that was interesting. Um, hopefully that will keep, continue to move forward. Of course, it's always about money. Um, it costs money to have these systems and to implement them and have people run them. And, you know, some conferences like the SEC have a lot of money and they can they can do that more easily than somebody like the Summit or, or whatever, you know, a mid-major type conference. So he went through those things as well. And there's a few questions, of course. And, and um, you know, Major League Baseball, of course, is getting to the point where it, and Mr. Fetchett thinks that you know, you have the earpiece in there, and there'll be somebody up there saying if it's a ball or strike, and they'll be calling that, and, uh, you know, that's what it's going to end up being. He thinks that eventually that, that will probably come to college baseball too. First, you know, SEC, and then trickle down to all the other conferences as well. Um, it probably is going to take a few years for something like that to happen, and, of course, now all the conferences have the the money uh, to be able to do that kind of thing. But... Um, yeah, um, that that was interesting. You know, I don't know. I mean, I've I've heard. Um, it seems like a scary thing, but the minor league guys that I know have that have used that type of system, um, and some other summer league groups use that too. They they're they're okay with it. You know, it seems like it it's doable. Um, it certainly takes certain pressure and everything off of people. Um, it's just different. You know, I mean, it's not what we all signed up for when we started to umpire, you know, we call the balls and strikes. So it's, it's going to be a change, but it's eventually going to come, especially once the, the money is there for people to be able to do it. So I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, I hope to umpire for quite a few more years and, and, and I'm sure I'll probably see this at some point or another. Um, I, I guess I just kind of had that realization today that, yeah, that's probably going to happen. I mean, I thought, well, maybe I'll go through my career and I'll avoid that, but I don't know if that's going to happen, especially if I'm able to continue to maintain, you know, 
higher level college games. I, I think that's going to happen. I, well, it trickle down to Division Two, II, Division Three, NAIA, JUCO, and stuff. I, I don't know. That's that's a very long way out. But uh, Division One, I, I think it's coming sooner rather than later for sure. So we talked about that as well um, for a little while, and um, that was pretty much the gist of most of the conversation. Um, you know, strike zone is always a big part of umpiring. Um, the other, you know, I guess kind of major topic is the new um, pitch clock, you know, 20-second action clock rules. Now, of course, in 2024, uh, all D1 schools are supposed to have at least one clock, preferably two, and then Division Two, II, Division Three, the following year, are supposed to have their clocks. To me, the biggest thing is who's controlling the clock. I mean, I, we know right now that it's, you know, either U2 or U3, uh, controlling those clocks, or maybe even, yeah, um, or maybe even U4 as well. But um, if they can pay somebody to get um, control of the clock and train somebody on how to do it and take that out of the umpire's, um, you know, responsibilities, I think that would be great. And uh, Rich Fetcher talked about that, that he's pushing for that um, in his conferences to have that happen. Um, they, he, he mentioned that over at University of Michigan where they do have the clocks visible and everything, there's a, there's a person, a student person that they trained that, that does it and does a great job. So, and he says maybe even better than some of the umpires, which it is a tricky thing to do. I mean, you have all your responsibilities, whatever spot you're at, um, and that's hard to do to make sure that you're starting, stopping the clock, doing all this, you're trying to watch for a balk, you know, you might have a play, all that kind of stuff. It's kind of a, a crazy thing when you're trying to be the timer. So I think that would be wonderful if they were able to do that. Because to me, we all know, like if you, I don't care what way you do it, if you've got the thing on your, your belt or you've got some kind of stopwatch or whatever, we kind of fudge those things sometimes. Started a little late or you forget, you know, whatever, or it might be going off within a second and you just kind of let it go. Um, and if it's visible out there and you're the one controlling it, man, that's a whole can of worms and some arguments if you're, not doing it right, or if you just just naturally just kind of mess it up or something. I mean, because that happens sometimes. We all know that. Nobody's perfect with that. Some people are better than others with it, but, you know, it can be a potential problem. But if you have one person that's that's their specific job to do that, I think that um, that would be very, very beneficial um, for the umpires. And uh, I hope that that happens. So that was the uh, gist of the meeting. Um, I'll report back on some of the other happenings and um, some other segments. The Saturday NCAA meeting when it's in person is always a very long day, but it's, it's pretty useful. And one of the things I like best is that they go over any of the new changes in detail with uh, different presenters. You know, this this year, you know, you're hearing it straight from the people that helped to make the changes in the um, rules. You, know, you might hear it from George Drosius or you might hear it from, you know, who, you know, the current rules editor, whoever it might be up there, and they're talking about specific things, showing some video. So when you have to do the test, which is active right now, um, they always have questions that are 
straight from the rule changes, and we have a lot of rule changes this year, so it's it's useful. It's like I I, I waited to take my test for the first time because I wanted to hear the things that they say, and so they were quite um, quite specific about the new um, twenty second action clock rule, and um, you know there's a couple things that um, I, I guess I had read in the um, in the new interpretation of the new rules. But it didn't quite sink in until I heard them talking about it. Um, a couple of the big things, of course, um, that we should know is that the clock doesn't stop until the pitcher st starts his motion toward the plate. You know, he starts his wind-up or he starts his um, delivery toward the plate. Whereas before, it was like when it became set, uh, then it would stop. And um, they mentioned a few occasions how um, if a pitcher steps off and tries to get a runner that's too far off a of base, you know, put him out or whatever, that um, he has to tag him out. Otherwise, it would be a 20-second violation. Now, I think the rule is going to be better once we get it going. It's always going to be a bit of a mess at the start of the season, especially in the South when people are working games down there. Um, because... You know, the whole idea of just doing that weak fake to a base when you step off and reset in the, in the, the clock was, was a, a, a bit of a travesty to um, the rule. And now, of course, you get one free step-off reset per batter, which I think is legit. That's fine. And then, you know, it's pretty much um, on you to make sure that, uh, you know, you, you pitch after that if you're the pitcher. Um, of course, they made the change with the 10 seconds left that the batter has to be alert and ready uh, in the box. And that is a problem with all of us that have the box timers, like I have one, in that uh, our timers will go off after the 20 seconds, of course, but they buzz at 5 seconds. That's when the batter was supposed to be there before, if you recall. And now we're going to have to all get them reset or send them in. I don't know if... It's going to be a bit tricky for the companies to get those out to people before the start of the season. I, I, I don't know how easy that's going to be. Um, we'll see, I guess, how that works. Um, but, uh, you know, the whole concept of having the visible clocks, you know, for Division One next year and then two and three the year after, man, I mean, I know they can't mandate it this year. They highly suggest it, but... It's going to be tricky to um, enforce it when people can't see the, the clocks because that's always going to be the excuse. And they talked about that. But they're very specific in um, certain situations and what a pitcher does. And I thought that they clarified that very well in our meeting. And they took a, a good deal of time with that. The other thing that they uh, took a good deal of time with was um, sportsmanship issues. And, of course, we've got some new rules that deal with the sportsmanship issues with you know celebratory things outside of the dugout and props and things like that. And uh, they talked about, you know, you give the, the warning for it, and then the next time it happens, whether it's the same player or not, that brings the prop out, they're the one that's ejected. And, of course, then if it happens after that, then the offender again gets ejected plus the head coach. So they made um, quite a bit about that at the meeting, which I thought was good, and basically gave the okay to say, hey, do what you have to do and make sure this um, intimidation that people tried to do and showing people up 
and everything else that has been happening in college baseball the last few years is um, nipped in the bud. That's basically what the message was, which I, I, I'm fine with that. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to be hard on, on people and um, be that kind of guy. So there's, of course, some people that are not they're not able to do that. This may be not their personality or something like that. But I guess if you're going to uh, be a good college umpire and uh, if you're somebody that wants to move up, you're going to have to figure that out and do what you got to do. Um, within the rules, you know, it's the rules. You know, you're just maintaining the rules that you're supposed to maintain by the NCAA and obviously your coordinators as well. So I thought both of those, those are probably the two big highlights. I mean, they talked about several other things as well. Um, the other very significant thing is the whole concept of the new strike zone initiative. And they had, um, Gillier, you know, the SEC coordinator via video for us, uh, talking about that because he's one of the spearheads of this strike zone initiative and trying to get a strike zone that is, um, common for all parts of the country. Um, I hope it really happens, and, and I think it is going to uh, eventually trickle down to all parts of college baseball in the coming years, but definitely Division I first. Um, and I think it's um, legitimate. I think that you know they need to have a commonality of how people read the reports, the track man and other types of um, systems that are used there so that you know a coach looks at it or an umpire looks at it or a coordinator looks at it, and they're all kind of interpreting it the same way, right? Um, they're speaking the same language. Um, if, you know, how accurate the umpire has been, that's good. That's our first step. And we know that probably, you know, some kind of automated, you know, strike zone might be coming for the higher levels of Division One, where you might have the earpiece and their some kind of system and they're telling you if it's a ball or strike. We know that's going to happen this coming season in AAA. And, of course, it always goes into pro ball first and then usually goes to the SEC and then trickles down to other conferences after that. So that's probably coming. But the biggest thing I think about this National Strike Zone Initiative is that if we can get a, a commonality for all the different levels, we're going to have less ball strike uh, arguments and ejections. Um, and that's important as well. And then finally, they had uh, they always have uh, Dr. Ramos on there talking about certain things. And, of course, he's got um, a thing in the preseason guy for college baseball about sleep. And he had, um, uh, via video again, his uh, little speech that he gave, I believe, down in Orlando about the importance of sleep and, um, you know, how it affects you um, in your performance while you are officiating and umpiring. So that was pretty interesting. I thought that was good. And of course, that's a good life thing as well. We all need proper amount of sleep and try to be healthy as, as much as we can, whether we're umpiring or not. I mean, that's an important thing. And, and there's a lot of people in the country that uh, have sleep problems. Um, I'm sure some of you listeners out there do as well. I know I've had some at times, you know, I think overall I'm pretty good, but I'm sure it could be better. Um, and it's something definitely to look at. So um, your health is definitely an important thing. This is a time to be thinking about that. You should be thinking about it all the time, but definitely here, January, February, just before the season starts to get going, this is a time to start making sure you're in shape and eating properly, sleeping well, getting yourself ready for the coming season so that you're ready to hit the ground running when it finally happens. So that was kind of my take on the, the rest of, um, the meeting. 
Um, just a long day, man. You're there. I mean, I was at a meeting at 645, and then they had the Division two and three coordinators at the end of the day, and, man, we weren't done until close to 5 o'clock. We had a little lunch break, but um, it's a long haul, but I think it's worthwhile. I like the in-person meetings better than the online ones. I understand why they do them, but I, I do like that a little bit better. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of the Hammer and Umpire Podcast. I appreciate you getting to the end. It's a little bit shorter episode. Just trying to give you a little take, at least my take, I guess, on the happenings at the NCAA meeting. And uh, hopefully you found that a bit interesting. Now it's on to doing the different tests. You've got the NCAA test available now. Um, I'm sure all my other college umpire friends and colleagues out there are working on theirs. We get two tries. You've got to get at least 85% so that you can um, maintain your eligibility to do postseason. And for those of us that do Division One games for Rich Fetch It, uh, we have to get 85% or otherwise you're going to lose your game. So that would not be cool. Anyway, I had a little meeting last night with uh, several other local college umpires, and we talked through some of the questions as well. Um, usually it's not too challenging to um, to get the 85%. You know, the whole concept is that they want you to dig into your rule books, and they certainly always have questions on any new things that are happening so that you're familiar with those so that hopefully you can adjudicate those things the best that you can uh, in the start of the season, and uh, we can have some consistency. That's the biggest thing. We want consistency throughout the country and from game to game, of course, too. So I'll be working on those things, and then the NAIA tests will be coming soon. High school tests, of course, are coming very soon for everybody as well. Um... And there are a few changes there, which I've talked about in the past, but I'll get to more of that. Right now, the last couple of weeks have been more of a, a college baseball focus because those are the happenings right now. Um, I'll have a more of a full-length regular episode coming soon, but I thought I'd put this one out there for you guys to get you thinking about a few things and maybe get yourselves in your rule books and uh, getting yourself as prepared as possible for the start of the season in just a couple of short months. Until then, keep calling strikes.